Episode of Sean and Ed's Do Baseball. I'm Sean. And I'm Ed's. And we're bringing you some baseball history. Postseason is over. It is officially over as of, well, not last night by the time this comes out, but yeah. officially as of last night. Congratulations, Dusty Baker. Yes. Yeah. We don't like to make this too topical, but that that's a shout out that deserves to be had. And uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty much the only reason to be happy that the Astros won the World <laughs> yeah. Series. Yeah, it was, I actually just a minute ago, I was reading a thing that he's joined some rare company as uh, guys who've won the World Series as both players and managers. That's fantastic. Well, yeah. I mean, he's been there so many times before. Wow, your dog's going crazy. <laughs> okay. Ow! Oh, he stabbed me in the back like the dog. Anyways. Right, we can keep going. Don't worry. Okay. Don't worry. I think you got it out of them. Um, all right. Well, I'm going uh, back to back. We're going back to back on our bi-weekly baseball history podcast where the story catcher doesn't know what the story pitcher is going to be throwing them. That's right. Okay. <laughs> 100%. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm going back to back because uh, my the person I'm detailing today uh, just uh, happens to be uh, a veteran on top of many, many other things. Uh, so I figured we could do it up. It's uh, Remembrance Day here in Canada on November 11th and Veterans Day in America. So, uh, you know, just uh, for that reason, I think I'm going to go back to back. And you also have a, another one that we're doing this month that uh, just the dates. It lines aligned. up with the date. It yeah, lines so, up yeah. with the dates. Yeah. So before uh, you get started, though, I want to tell people to follow us on Twitter at Doing Baseball and at Instagram at Doing Baseball. That's right. I believe we have a TikTok as well. And my personal Twitter's at Sean Do Baseball. And I'm at Ed's Do Baseball. And wherever you're listening, give us a review, give us a rating, whatever you can do to help us out. Share it with your friends. Uh, much appreciated. Yes, thanks for listening. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Carry on. So, to start, uh, I would say, in my humble opinion, that you're a bit of a music aficionado, uh-huh. Nancy. Uh-huh. I've told a couple music stories Yeah, on this, this one has nothing to do with music, but... Oh, okay. Have you ever heard of Hank Thompson, the Country Music Hall of Famer? No. Well, he popularized probably one of the most problematic songs I've ever heard in my life called The Squaws Along the Yukon in 1958. Okay, that sounds awful. (laughs) So, that's what I discovered when I was searching Google for Hank Thompson. Because the Hank Thompson we're talking about today, although a decent amount of uh, research has been done on his life, he's not nearly as famous as he should be. Mm -hmm. So, the Hank Thompson we're talking about today is also a Hall of Famer, and as far as I can tell, never sang any songs about having sex with indigenous women. Okay. (laughs) This is a totally different person then. Totally different person. But if you Google Hank Thompson... That's what's coming up. That's what's coming up. And let me tell you, that song is wildly problematic, to say the least. So the Country Music Hall of Fame also isn't that... Scrutinizing on your character is what you <laughs> <laughs> right. So our Hank Thompson was no angel, but in a short life, he became a trailblazer and led one of the wildest lives I've ever seen a ball player live. Okay. So, 
Hank Curtis Thompson was born in Oklahoma City on December 8, 1925 to Ollie and Iona Thompson. Hank uh, had an older sister as well as some brothers, and the family moved to Dallas, Texas when Hank was just an infant. Ollie and Iona split uh, when Hank was just a young child, and Hank lived uh, with his mother and sister. So his mom's a single mom. It's the depression. Okay, tough times. Tough times, yeah. Yeah. So Hank is a bit of a wild child. Where's his dad, do you know? His dad's a railroad worker at this point, so he's kind of... Like, off. did they divorce? Yeah, they, okay. they so divorced. They, they split up. They it's spl- not he's just out trying to make some money and send Yeah, them no, no. Okay. They're the, the, so she's trying to raise the kids on her own, but she has to work. Uh, so Hank would say, my sister Florence was supposed to watch me, but I would sneak off and play ball. All I wanted was to play ball. They made me go to school, but I played hooky. <laughs> okay. So, from a young Seems age... Seems like a common thing back in the day. Yeah. All these the guys that made it anyway were like, fuck school. <laughs> playing ball in the street. Playing street ball all day. Okay, carry on. Also, I it's digress. like, his sister's, you know, half a decade older. Like, it's a lot of responsibility for this child to be raising these kids while the mom's working because she's a single mom. So, mm-hmm. he was a black kid living in the South, and he soon found himself in trouble with the police. Uh, they accused him of swiping jewelry from a car, although he was never charged with it or whatever, but he was arrested for truancy as well, and eventually he got sent... Truancy? Truancy. Like from school? Yeah. He got arrested for not well, going to school? I, I don't know whether they're just like accused him of stealing the jewelry and then we're like, oh, he didn't do it. What are we going to charge him with? <laughs> truancy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there was other accounts... Bullshit. Yeah, there are other accounts that said he got arrested multiple times for like truancy and stuff like that, and there was the one thing that... Anyways, regardless... Just seems like a really made-up crime, and it probably oh, was. Yeah. He's probably 11, 10 or 11 at this point, um, <laughs> when he starts okay. getting in trouble with the law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so eventually, eventually, uh, he gets sent to the Gatesville Reform School, which was uh, two hours southwest of Dallas. So... Okay. He gets institutionalized. I, I believe he... I never really con- concretely... He's about 14 at this time when he gets sent to this school. So the Texas State uh, Historical Association describes the youth prison which he was sent, which was later condemned by a federal judge in the 1970s for its abuse of children. The (laughs) The residents attended academic and vocational classes and engaged in a variety of farming activities on a 900 acre tract of state lands and 2,700 acre of leased lands. So, like, slavery, basically. <laughs> Got, like, a huge plantation, essentially. Yeah. That's fucked uh, up. A parole system that rewarded good behavior permitted the release of certain inmates to private sponsors. So, this is what ends up happening with Hank, is as bad as the school is, Hank did get a chance to play organized baseball for the first time there. And, as one of the best baseball players at the school... He got special privileges, so his slave labor was less yeah. than the rest of the kids as okay. well. Uh, so there was a... Kind of ma- like the Carlisle school a little yeah, bit. Yeah, uh, well, this is a much more jail-y school. Than yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, still, at the same point, he plays baseball, and immediately this dude, Mr. Twitchell, uh, who ran the school prison's baseball team, uh, was like, oh, this kid's amazing. And so... Immediately gave him extra privileges. Uh, it made his life there a little bit more tolerable. 
And after six months uh, and a reform school baseball championship, Hank was released, but this time to his father. Okay. This is not great for Hank because basically he said he'd rather have just stayed at the reform school than oh. live with his father. <laughs> okay, that's uh, that's... <laughs> Sounds like that's saying something. Yeah. So, also, it was the courts that decided this. I don't know if, if his father necessarily petitioned and uh, the courts were like, well, you're better off than your mother is because your mother's like a single woman. So, there's a whole mm-hmm. bunch of misogyny and stuff. Yeah. All, all yeah, baked I was, in here, Because I was just going to ask, why would they release him to his father and not yeah. back to his yeah. mother and where he was in the first place? Yeah. So, Ollie Thompson did not let Hank play ball and beat him off Fuck, man. Yeah. No wonder he wanted to go back to prison. Yeah. So Thompson responded by spending all his time out of the house on the baseball field to avoid his father and his punishments. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, he, like, basically was... Yeah, his dad wasn't the best. And his dad drank... Didn't sound like he was the best. (laughs) I don't know why you had to, like, qualify any of those statements. Like... Yeah, his dad wasn't the best. <laughs> you know the man that was beating him. <laughs> not the best guy. Not the best. Guy. Okay, so he was not the best guy and drinking a lot. Uh, yeah, uh, which Hank started to do around this age as well. So yeah. at fifteen, all Hank wanted to do was play ball and drink. So <laughs> okay, yeah. At fifteen, he managed to find his way onto the field with the Dallas Steers of the Texas League. This is a white, you know, uh, independent minor league team, uh, and he's just he's like a fourteen, fifteen year old kid just being like, "Hey, can I shag some fly balls with you guys?" And mm-hmm. manages to kind of speak his way and gets to practice with this pro team, and they're all white. You know, there's he's basically like nobody was super stoked, but nobody was really overly hostile as well. Um, so he's probably pretty good. He's pretty good, and yeah. so in fact, he he gets to throw batting practice to them eventually because he's like, look at my arm, and they're like, oh wow, mm-hmm. okay. So he's throwing batting practice to the team. His skills develop quite quickly, and soon enough, a local semi-pro Negro League team recruited him, the Dallas Green Monarchs. Okay, <laughs> which is this, again no originality with the names back in these days. Yeah, and just <laughs> copying the good guys all the time. Yeah, absolutely love it. The Dallas Green Monarchs. So Thompson, it sounds so that I do believe the Green Monarchs were associated in some way with the Kansas City Monarchs. Okay, so, so that makes sense. That makes sense. It's like a junior team or something like that, or a minor league team. So Thompson becomes talk of the town. He's a young phenom. And Hank Thompson was good. He's playing at 16 with a bunch of 18, 19, 20-year-olds, right? Mm-hmm. So he's good. Uh, so good, in fact, that after a year and a half, uh, the Kansas City Monarchs came calling. All right. So he's invited to spring training in New Orleans at the age of 17 years old. Okay, so it's, what, early 40s then? Oh, yeah, yeah. 42? He, 42, yeah. So he's he's going in there. And remember, his birthday's in December, too. So he just turned 17. Oh, like he, okay. like So by 16, he's playing semi-pro. By 17, he's trying out for the best ball, or one of the best ball teams uh, or it, in prob- black baseball. Yeah. <laughs> So, he makes the team. He earns the moniker Youngblood from legendary veterans like Satchel Paige, who are on the team. Thompson played 40 games with the Monarchs in 1943 and hit a robust 315 over 145 plate appearances. 
Nice. Really good. He played right field other than one game, which he played in left. And Thompson, as you see, he's never he never finds a position. I eventually I probably just stopped talking about the position he's playing because his whole career He's just moving bouncing around the field. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimate utility guy. Yeah, you'll see. I okay. I, I, I I document it, but eventually is just it, give up. Is it because he's skilled at all positions or you just you can't He's just uh, trying can, a bunch of different. I think I think he's pretty poor defensively. In the end, overall, I would say yeah, he's he's probably not the best. He had a good arm, third base, right field, but yeah. Okay. Um, so by 18 years old, Hank Thompson was already playing at the highest level of baseball attainable for him. Uh, but he turned 18 in December 1943 at the height of World War II, and his baseball career would have to wait. Thompson would serve with the 1695th Combat Engineers in, in which all the soldiers were black, but most of the officers were white Southerners. Okay, that sounds like a shitty combination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, on top of all that, uh, Thompson would go AWOL <laughs> a couple times and spend a little bit of time in the stockades for getting into drunken brawls. Uh, but... He still distinguished himself on the battlefield as a machine gunner during the Battle of the Bulge, in which he fought for three days. He won two medals for bravery and attained the rank of sergeant. Nice. Yeah. So Just hammered, probably. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would say he manned a machine gun during the Battle of the Bulge and later reflected, uh, if there was a moment in my life that I did something for society, that was it. But you can't make three good days balance off the rest of a man's life. Okay, that sounds like some dark foreshadowing <laughs> oh, right there. Yeah. yeah, that's what we're going to get into. <laughs> no, hats off to him for his service time there. Yeah, exactly. And it sounded like he... The constant thing, I think I reflect on it at the end, the constant thing here is is when he has structure, mm -hmm. he seems to do good. He excels, yeah. He excels, okay. but... And he's left to his own devices. Yeah. Know. Okay. Yeah. So Sergeant Thompson was discharged from the Army uh, on June 20th, 1946. He returned to the Monarchs, who were in the midst of a pennant race. Hank, now just 20 years old still, appeared in 24 games down Damn. the stretch. Yeah. He's done a lot <laughs> at <crazy>. 20. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he appears in... Uh, 24 games down the stretch and uh, announced his return to the Monarchs in the Negro League World Series where Kansas City took on the Newark Eagles. The Monarchs would fall in seven games, but Thompson got on base at a 387 clip, leading off and playing second base for the Monarchs. So, as he gets back, he's kind of trying to find his way back in the lineup, and then he gets the starting job for the whole World Series and mm -hmm. kicks ass. Uh, in that fall, uh, Bob Feller and Satchel Page put together a barnstorming tour featuring Negro League players that would face off against MLB players. Thompson impressed on the big stage, and the eyes of the baseball world descended upon the young player. Bob Feller thought he was the best player on the Negro League squad, and with the color barrier about to be broken, Thompson seemed like as good a candidate as any to be playing alongside white players very soon. So he's young. He's already yeah. proven himself. He's, you know. Yeah. So uh, this is the fall of 46. So Robinson's already signed with the, Mon or not the Monarchs, with the with Montreal. Yeah. Um, so, 
yeah, he's like, everyone's talking like who's going to be the first guy, and you know, obviously Robinson's on track, but there's so many other people throwing out names and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah, and you know, if the guy's 20 and has such a pedigree already, it would make sense that you know he'd be a he'd be he'd, sought he'd, after. Yeah, he'd be a candidate to come up. You'd have him for a long time. Exactly, because <laughs> you ain't you can't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Um, so I uh, guess <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So. <laughs> Thompson would barnstorm regularly throughout his career. Honestly, it'd be too long if I talked about all his barnstorming tours. Mm-hmm. Um, but he made a lot of money off of it. He made $7,500 in two and a half week tour, which is about hundred k in today's money. Damn. Yeah. So that's how much he would make in like a year playing baseball back then. So, yeah. um, But after missing two seasons for his service, he continued playing. He went to Cuba. Uh, for the first time playing for Habana, uh, where he would bat 320 and lead the league in triples. Cuba would be kind to Hank, introducing him to his first wife, Maria, and where he would earn the moniker that, suit- that suited his recent service. Oh, man, I should have practiced this. Emetraladora. Emetraladora, which translate to the machine gun. Okay. That's a cool name. Because he'd hit line drives like all over the field. So it was like spraying the ball. And yeah, so it was like machine gun. So he'd play in Cuba for the next three winters. And and he won a Cuban championship. He would just always play great in Cuba. Loved it. Mm -hmm. In March 1947, Hank would also travel to Venezuela and got to face the Yankees in an exhibition game there, playing for a local squad who had hired a bunch of ringers. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, this is right. our local team. They speak really good American <laughs> English, yeah. most of the black players. <laughs> um, so got to do what you got to do, I guess. Hank Thompson now is 21, and at the start of the 1927 season, Jackie Robinson breaks the color color barrier. 47. 47. I said 27? Yeah. Oh, sorry. 47. Uh, For the first 43 games, though, of the 1947 season with the Monarchs, Thompson played like a man possessed. He hit 335 and slugged 578, OPSing nearly 1,000. Damn. Yeah. Nice. So, mid-season, Robinson's off to a great start. The National League comes calling. So, the St. Louis Browns. The shitty, shitty St. Yeah. Louis Browns. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, they're doing awful, and they decide, well, it's already been broken, so we might as well try to get more fans here by, all right, yep. who's the best players in Kansas City? Which is close. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... The St. Louis Browns purchased the contracts of Thompson and veteran outfielder Willard Brown on a conditional basis. Hank Thompson debuted on July 17, 1947, the third black man to play in the major leagues. He played second base. He went 0-4 as the Browns were whooped 16-2 by the Athletics. Ouch. Yeah. His teammates and manager did not welcome him or his other Monarchs teammate at all. Uh, (laughs) So... (laughs) Uh, he, yeah, he would say no one, uh, no one on the club would have anything to do with us. They wouldn't speak to us. They wouldn't even warm us up. If Brown wasn't around and I asked another player to warm, warm up with me, he'd just shake his head. It definitely didn't help that Brown's manager, Muddy Rule, 
uh, was very vocal about not wanting the two players, almost giving permission for the others to treat them like shit. So Okay, so it sounds like a super toxic environment yeah. all around, yeah, from were, top to bottom. Yeah, they were Why losers. would they even sign them? Well, because it was a stunt. It was a, public, a racist they, so stunt. So they signed them as a racist publicity yes. stunt and then just shit all over them? Yeah, 100%. That's fucking brutal. Oh, it gets well, kind of worse. I mean, you basically got the gist of it. But Thompson did have, a, he had a decent on-base percentage, but his average and slugging weren't there. Uh, by the end of August, so it's only been six weeks or so, uh-huh. uh, both he and Brown were re- released and returned to the Monarchs. So they didn't, it was conditional, they wanted to get their money back, and they were like, oh, this isn't working out. Yeah. Neither was truly given a fair shot and insulted on their way out the door by racist GM Bill DeWitt, who later would make a horrible trade and also told Pete Rose to stop hanging out with black people. Um, <laughs> so it's, yeah, Fuck. exactly. He said they failed to reach major league standards so it's just a slap on the like they didn't didn't get a chance buddy yeah yeah small sample size yeah yeah so (laughs) anyway six weeks and then just insult them on the way out that's it's pretty shitty pretty shitty so they go back to the monarchs um but you know that 47 season ends now we get to hank thompson off the field uh so since the war, and well, actually, I told you when he was 15, he was like, oh, drink, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, in the war, that didn't help. Um, I imagine it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you want your wits about you in war. Yeah. So uh, he's drinking pretty heavily. You remember, he's young still, but he's he's enjoying And he was also, you know, he was talking to town. Everybody wanted to buy him a drink, especially he was the monarch's, you know, up-and-coming young guy, and he had women and booze everywhere. Yeah. Um. So he is going down to San Antonio uh, for spring training uh, with the Monarchs on April 8th, 1948. Uh, But he stops in Dallas uh, to see some family and friends. And according to Thompson, he and his sister, along with his brother-in-law, were in a local bar when they ran into Buddy Crow. Crow had been a Sandlot teammate of Hank's in Dallas back in the day. So they grew up playing ball a little bit together. According to Hank, he knew Crow was a rough character and had seen him severely injure a man in a bar fight in years past. Okay. This is also a very convoluted story. I did my best to decipher what really happened here. Um, Crow was reportedly antagonizing Thompson and giving him a hard time about his short stay in the major leagues with St. Louis. <laughs> Sounds like they weren't, like, really friends. No, they're not. Like, they were kind of dicks to each other. Right. You know, they were acquaintances from the Sandlots. Right. That's, that's how most of the stories I read frame this. Okay. Um, on top of that, on top of being a bit of chastising him a bit, uh, Crow began harassing his sister. So Okay, crossing the line. The ar- an argument in- ensued and escalated into a confrontation. A drunk Buddy Crow pulled a knife on a drunk Hank Thompson. <laughs> oh, no. Well, drunk Hank had basically become a full-blown alcoholic at this point, and ever since the war, he had continued his ways, just now carrying a gun. <laughs> okay. So Sketchy. Crow pulls a knife. Hank pulls a gun. And he, Indiana Jones is the dude. <laughs> he just fucking... He just blows him away. Well, it sounded like he was advancing on him with a knife. So, okay. you know, uh, he shoots Crow three times, at least, in the chest. Uh, and... Was he okay? 
No. Okay. <laughs> so that's another part of the story that I couldn't really find uh, out whether he... Like, I know Thompson just left right afterwards. They were like, we're going to the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he... I, he, he, I think he went to spring training the next day. <laughs> it's like, I got an early morning tomorrow. I'm out of here. Well, regardless, the thing is, once he found out that Crow had died, uh, Thompson did hang or hang himself. Oh, my God. <laughs> Turn himself into the police. Okay. <laughs> and that's the story. <laughs> no. So um, he goes to spring training. He finds out Crow died. He turns himself in. So he's charged with murder. Uh, But because of his connections uh, and the owner of the Monarchs, J.L. Wilkinson, uh, he was able to get some very good representation. Uh, They claimed that it was completely Mm self-defense and it was a dangerous man that... That was running at him with a knife. Exactly. Uh, So they got him released on bond and eventually he'd be acquitted. After two years in the courts... Crow's death was ruled a justifiable homicide. So okay, but if it wasn't for Wilkinson, the yeah, owner, yeah, he probably would have been just gone down for it. Yeah, so Wilkinson would later reflect on the killing, uh, saying the killing stayed with Thompson for the rest of his life. Uh, a comment that's very much supported by everything else you're going to read here. <laughs> so. Um, Anyways, back to baseball. Thompson primarily played outfield for the Monarchs in 1948, and his bat returned in a big way. He hit 11 home runs in just 70 games, along with 20 stolen bases and a 375 batting average. As a team began to pluck, or as teams began to pluck away Negro League stars, Hank Thompson was once again one of the first chosen. Uh, Hank didn't have to wait long this time to get his shot in the major leagues. So. Uh, after 1948, he has a great year. The Giants have been scouting him, and they send somebody to see him in Cuba who promptly signs him for $2,500. It's right. a nice bonus. Mm-hmm. Uh, in February 1949, it's announced that the New York Giants had signed Thompson along with star Monty Irving and pitcher Ford Smith Uh, who were all sent to spring training with the Giants. After that, Irving and Thompson were assigned to play for their Jersey City International League affiliate. So, they sign with the Giants. Here he signs with the Giants, but he gets sent to the AAA team to start at least. Mm -hmm. And I should say, no other black players, Jackie Robinson's in the league. Uh, I forget why I'm gapping on his name for Cleveland. He made his debut and is still playing in the league as well. Yeah. But since Thompson and Brown played with the St. Louis Browns, no other black player has come up. Okay. So, once again, as I said, it wouldn't take long, though. So Thompson tore apart the International League um, while playing both infield and outfield. Larry Doby. Larry Doby. Thank you. And in 68 games in the International League, he hit 14 home runs and 31 extra base hits, OPS over 1,000. Uh, and to make all this more impressive, Thompson was not a big guy. He's about 5'8", 160 pounds. But he could hit mm. him far, and especially as he matured, he became a legend for hitting shots deep over the 450-foot center field wall at the polo grounds. Damn. Yeah. So he's 
not big, but he can smash it. It's like so, David Eckstein, just like... I don't think David was Eckstein... He, was he hit, small? He was small, but he didn't hit home runs. No, 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 that's what I'm saying. Like I'm thinking David like, Eckstein-sized dude. I'm thinking Dustin Pedroia. Runs. Dustin okay, Pedroia. Yeah. There, there, there you go. There you go. So he's built like a second baseman, but can hit like an outfielder. Soon enough, the New York Giants brought him up, and Hank Thompson would break the color barrier for a second franchise. The only player ever to do that. Wow. So he's okay. the first black player for the Browns, first black player for the Giants. Hmm. This time, though, he would stick around with the support of his coach, mm-hmm. Leo DeRocher, who also happened to be Jackie Robinson's coach when he first came up in 47. Yeah. So DeRocher has a team meeting and basically makes it clear. He says, uh, also, Monty Irving's on the team, too. Just, yeah, he came up as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this is all I'm going to say about race. I don't give a damn what color you are. As long as you play good baseball, you play on this team. We got Monty and Hank here. They got good credentials. I'm sure they'll help us get out of fifth place. We're all one team. So it's amazing what leadership does to make you better. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're accepted on the team, uh, and... Basically, he makes his debut on July 8th. Uh, he's newly married. He's just gotten married to his Cuban girlfriend, Maria Quesada, uh, at their new home in Brooklyn. And everything's coming up Millhouse for Hank Thompson. Okay. <laughs> so the, the murder charges have been withdrawn. Yeah, it's all They're, forgotten. It's I all... forgot all about it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so he would hit 280 for the Giants over 75 games with nine home runs, putting up a solid 821 OPS. This time, if there were any doubts about his tenure in the National League, they were put to rest early as he moved into the heart of the Giants' order by the season's end. So... 1950, he gets even better. He plays his first full season, uh, 148 games, and he hits 20 home runs and raises his OPS to 854. Not that they were really tracking that at this time. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you've I'm glad you've done that research. Yeah. So once again, uh, his uh, position changed, and he was shifted to third base from second base to make room for Eddie Stanky. Okay. Probably just didn't want to stand close to Stanky. Yes. <laughs> anyway. uh, I see what you did there. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a reach. <laughs> so, in, so this is his second position now? Well, yeah. Remember, he started out as an outfielder. Oh, okay. Second so third baseman. position. He's basically been second baseman, right field, a little bit of left field. Now he's moved to third base. Okay. Uh, in 1951, the Giants would win the pennant, but for Thompson, the season was a dud. After getting off to a terrible start, Thompson seemed to be riding the ship before everything fall, fell apart for him mid-season. Rookie Willie Mays joined the team, and as Thompson's production fell, he had to battle. He had to battle for playing time. With was, Willie Mays. Well, kind of no, just because Willie Mays came up and he was so good that it pushed other guys to different yeah, positions. I guess so. Yeah, so, Willie Mays is an outfielder. If he's yeah, at third base. So they, the not... yeah, and he's playing so poorly. Basically, the center fielder is put at third base because Thompson's not doing that great. Right. So he's battling it out and kind of being platooned a little bit. Um, to make matters worse, he's spiked by uh, Chicago's uh, Frank Hiller and injured on July 18th. Uh, so he's optioned down, but really it was just he didn't leave. He just kind of recovered a little bit with the team. Uh, he pinch hit occasionally. Uh, I guess he was reinstated, but then he actually was sent to the Minneapolis Millers of the American Association, I guess, for a rehab stint. 
Okay. So there in just 14 games, Thompson proved he did not need to be sent to the minors as he hit seven home runs in 14 games. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Yeah. So he's recalled to the Giants, and the Giants, as I mentioned, were in a pennant race and on the stretch run. Thompson would just play a bench utility role for the rest of the season for the Giants, who happened uh, to win that pennant race. As fate would have it, Don Mueller broke his ankle, and Thompson, who hadn't started since his injury back in July, got a chance to start in the World Series against the Yankees. Now he's playing right field. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Right on. So he commits two errors in right field, and yeah, uh, at the plate, he only got two hits, uh, two singles in 19 plate appearances, and the Giants lost the series in just five games. Mm, Bummer. Yeah, so he's not a great showing in the World Series, Um, but in 1952, Monty Irving would break his leg, leading to Thompson platooning this time in left field to start the year. <laughs> Man, you really said he was all yeah. over the field, and he really is. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. you'll, you'll, and so Thompson would prove uh, that 1951 was more or less an aberration as his numbers and playing time would grow throughout the 1952 season. He ended the year hitting 260 with 17 home runs in 128 games, while also moving to center field after Willie Mays was drafted into the Army midseason. <laughs> so now he's playing, now he's playing yeah. center, too. Oh, man. Um, so he puts up at least respectable numbers, plays, you know, 80% of the season on the, like, you know, gets good time, uh, and he's having a good time in New York. He's making major league money. Uh, he had bought a rack of fine tailored suits, a brand new Lincoln automobile, and drank heavy amounts of expensive whiskey daily after the ball games. Always after. Uh, a teammate, Stanley Glenn, would later say, Hank was a little bit off center. He had a drinking problem and a woman problem, but he was all baseball on the field. All right. So imagine that allowed him to carry on in his, uh, you know, other extracurricular <laughs> activities. Yeah. Well, yeah, you'll see, as I like to say on these. Okay. <laughs> so Monty Irving, uh, Irvin, who was uh, debuted with Thompson, was several years older and the one that seemed to be able to put Thompson back in line when Thompson's childishness or drunken temper got him in trouble. In 1953, uh, Thompson would put up his best season ever as a Giant, even though he started on the pine as the Giants tried out a new rookie over Thompson. Once he got into the lineup, Thompson hit over 300 while bashing 24 home runs in just 114 games. Playing a combination of left field, third base, center field, with a sprinkle of second base and right field in there as well. Man, he's really moving all over the base. But like, why? Why do they always try to replace him? Like, whenever he seems to like get in there, he seems to do amazing. Well, I, yeah. I mean, he's had a couple slumps, but like, well, that's the thing. Twenty-four it's, home runs in hundred and fourteen games. That's that's pretty good. It's pretty damn good. He did, and he had put up a pretty good season before too. Seventeen home runs in you know hundred and thirty or so. Mm-hmm. So I mean, honestly, it's probably a little bit of uh, the extracurricular activities. And he does have an injury history too. Oh, okay. So there's there's that. So he would suffer a concussion. On a ground ball, taking a bad hop, uh, which ended his amazing season prematurely. Since the hence the 114 games. Uh, I got you. Uh, he would play just four games 
after August 31st. So basically he gets hit in the head, and after August 31st he's like, yeah, basically mm-hmm. just a whatever. So add to add insult to head injury, in February of 1954, in the wee hours of the morning, uh, drunk Hank became involved in an argument with a Harlem cab driver. The argument became physical, and the cabbie ironically pulled out a sawed-off baseball bat. <laughs> he beat Thompson <laughs> over the head with this baseball bat, causing him 14 stitches. Oh, man. Uh, Thompson was originally charged with felonious assault, but the case would be later dismissed, probably with the help of the Giants' legal team. Yeah. Um, Despite multiple concussions, in 1954, at the age of 28, Thompson would solidify his legacy for the Giants and redeem his 1951 World Series performance. Thompson once again played all over the diamond and hit 26 home runs in 136 games with an OPS in the high 800s, finishing 10th in the league. So, the Giants once again make the World Series... Uh, up against Cleveland, who was an amazing team, and everybody expected Cleveland to win. Uh, <laughs> so, this is how bad it had gotten. Uh, Buck O'Neill from the Monarchs, Negro League legend, was hired by the Giants to keep Hank Thompson sober during the World Series. <laughs> what a job! <laughs> That what is, smiling man yeah. that we always yeah. or that we've grown to love. <laughs> just <laughs> he had a week of hell. <laughs> I imagine that was a horrible, horrible week for Buck O'Neill. <laughs> but it, the ploy works. I wonder what that job title actually was. <laughs> you couldn't. You they probably just paid him cash. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> they didn't need to do paperwork. Yeah, you're the Barney watcher. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Thompson would collect hits in all four games as the Giants steamrolled Cleveland uh, in the four-game series as they swept him. Uh, he posted a ridiculous 6-11 on-base percentage and broke Lou Gehrig's record for walks in a four-game series with seven. After the series, Man. Joe DiMaggio commented that he was most impressed with Hank and that many don't appreciate what a fine player he was. As you were kind of mentioning with, like, why do they keep taking rookies <laughs> over him? Yeah. <laughs> um, so... It seemed like Thompson, who's still pr- relatively young, is in the middle of a borderline Hall of Fame career. As the calendar turned to 1955, uh, unfortunately, he didn't know that this would probably be the beginning of the end for his career. The drinking, as we can get from them hiring somebody to make sure he didn't... Yeah, he uh, had a handler. Ha- ...had started <laughs> to take a toll on him off the field. Um at age 29, uh, he had also had his fair share of injuries and dust-ups, plus his time serving his country in Europe was no picnic. So, to make matters worse, his mentor, Monty Irving, was released by the Giants midseason. Although, he was a great on-base guy that probably would have extended his career in the modern age, he always had more walks than strikeouts, which, you know, is amazing now. It's pretty but, handy. Yeah. But his average fell, and his power numbers slumped a little bit as he hit 18 home runs in 135 games. As he turned 30, his career was trending down. The years of hard living and hard drinking were taking its toll on his body and mind. And to make matters worse, he hurt his arm at spring training and lost his starting job once again 
to a rookie. <laughs> okay. This time it sounds like it maybe was justified. Yeah. So that's at this season, 1956. I mean, 18 home runs is still pretty good, but yeah, I mean, it, but his batting average was like 230, right? Oh, okay. Like, so and that's in what, these days, that's yeah. yeah. Yeah, he still probably got on base at like a, a 350, 360 clip, which mm -hmm. once again these days would would mean something for yeah. you. Yeah. And like, yeah, there's numerous numerous quotes from old-timey owners being like this guy only walks we don't pay you to walk <laughs> nowadays people are like please walk just yeah. walk yeah, just, you don't have to do anything just walk here's 25 million dollars <laughs> yeah walk and home run walk yeah. home run um so in 1956 would be his last season in the majors thompson played in just 83 games uh and batted just three or sorry three 235 uh with eight home runs in the middle of the season, on June 6th, Hank was hit in the head uh, by a pitch thrown by Don Kaiser of the St. Louis Cardinals. He was taken off the field in a stretcher and transported to Jewish Hospital in St. Louis. X-rays showed that he did not have a fractured skull, but the official medical diagnosis of his injury was a severe concussion. He would get recurring headaches afterwards, uh, and he ended up playing his last game in the major leagues on September 30th, 1956. So the head injuries definitely didn't help. Mm -hmm. um, but this is what he would actually say later on in his life. I became a baseball has-been at 32. I couldn't move around third base. Balls were going by me that I should have had. I was disgracing baseball, and I still kept boozing it up. Oh, that's yeah. a sad quote. It is a sad quote. I was going to say, though, like hard drinking will make it hard to recover from your injuries, right? So if you're injury prone and you're and it's boozing it up, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah. had three like major concussions mm -hmm. in two and then years. Probably took to the bottle pretty hard just in his time off, right? Yeah. So Thompson spiraled down. Uh, he was sent to the majors at the or sent to the minors at the start of the 1957 season after missing an exhibition game in San Diego. Thompson played just 78 games for the Minneapolis Minneapolis Millers while being plagued by leg injuries before leaving the team in July. Thompson tried to return that winter uh, to a team in Puerto Rico Winter League, but decided to call it a career after three games. His body had simply given out on him. He later would say of his legs, they just went, or they just went bad. They'd been bad for a long time. It was ligament rubble. I needed to have Novocaine shots to play, and before games, I lived in a whirlpool. I lived in a whirlpool. It was almost like my bed. So, <laughs> what a way to describe it! It was ligament rubble. Yeah, I'm use that from now on. I might be. It's like <laughs> rubble. I don't know what that word is. Rubble. I don't know. Maybe it's supposed to be ligament trouble. Trouble? <laughs> Damn it. That's what it is. So he had ligament trouble. He needed Novocaine shots to play before games. I lived in the whirlpool. It was almost like my bed. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> okay, I fucked that quote up. Um, so there were rumors uh, that he may rejoin his friend Monty Irving with the Cubs, but those stayed just rumors. Between the Monarchs, Browns, and Giants, Thompson had played 12 years in the, in the majors, putting up extremely respectable numbers with a lifetime 275 batting average and an OPS of 837. At just 31, his career was over, well, turning 32. Mm -hmm. uh, Thompson 
even in just a decade, Thompson's career is plastered with first for black players. He was the first black hitter to face a black pitcher, who was Don Newcomb, uh, as well as the first black player uh, to play in both leagues. He was also a member of the first all-black outfield in Major League history, alongside Mays and Irvin. And as I mentioned before, he is the first and only player to integrate two different organizations. Mm-hmm. So, amazing. unfortunately for Thompson, he hadn't saved a dime, and being the answer to numerous baseball trivia questions could not pay the bills. The baseball star got a job as bartender. Well, sounds like several jobs as bartender. I guess mm-hmm. alcohol was... He's like, I got this. Yeah. Uh, what else do I know other than baseball? Yeah. What's my passion? <laughs> um, he also, ironically, got a job as a New York cabbie as well. Um, but his trouble with the law would get really bad. So in 1958, he was arrested for stealing a car. A drunk Thompson had gone to retrieve his car, but was blocked in, and so he just took another car with the keys in it. Well, that makes sense. It does! (laughs) I'm blocked in! I gotta get home. (laughs) (laughs) He also, I think he then like lent it to a friend. (laughs) Okay. And then his friend got Well, there he crossed the line. (laughs) You you can't can't lend a stolen car. (laughs) He borrowed it. Yeah, well, I can't lend a borrowed car. You gotta, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That's where I draw the line, anyway. So, (laughs) he still had connections in baseball, though, and the charges were dropped. Uh, But around the same time, he was also arrested for unlawful entry and assaulted a woman who he claimed to be his girlfriend. Uh, She claimed he had assaulted her and stolen money from her purse uh, and wouldn't leave her apartment. Uh, This time, Thompson would serve a week in jail. Um... So Thompson's life is basically crumbling. His wife divorces him at this point in mm-hmm. 1959, and his alcoholism sent him into a spiral. So on February 26, 1961, a drunken, depressed Thompson walked into a bar called Bill's Place and asked the bartender, Do you know who I am? Do well, you know Bill? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> So he asked the bartender, do you know who I am, while holding a gun to the bartender's head. Okay. <laughs> much. That's an extreme situation. Yeah. The bartender working at the time said he did not. So Thompson said, good, and demanded the bartender open the cash register. <laughs> what? So he takes off with $37. Not, it's not a lot. Not a whole lot. Uh, one issue for Hank is that in fact, he was known at the bar. He was very... He was a regular at this bar. They're like, that's Hank. He's here every week. <laughs> uh, no, I don't know you, Hank. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> so, in fact, he had even... Homer? <laughs> Who is Homer? <laughs> okay, the second at Simpsons. <laughs> no more Simpsons. So, um, he had even hawked his 1954 World Series ring at the same bar to pay his drinking bill. Oh, well, man. Yeah, it's sad. So, he's arrested a block away and charged with armed robbery on top of weapons charges. Uh uh, so, Thompson's in serious trouble. I mean, he's already been in serious trouble. But, once again, baseball comes to his aid, and Giants owner Horace Stoneham and Commissioner Ford Frick both use their power to get Thompson off under probation. Okay. So, this would be the last time Hank Thompson would get out of, or would get a get-out-of-jail-free card. So, he was given a job at the Giants Spring Training Facility in Arizona, 
Uh, but he didn't last long. He was just like a maintenance crew guy down in the spring training. And mm-hmm. He eventually skips town, goes to California, finds his way back to Houston, where he steals a couple guns. <laughs> <laughs> man yeah just doesn't end yeah so it's from a friend's print shop he you know whatever stole the guns from a print shop i guess his he was his friend's print shop and he noticed he knew he had had guns guns. yeah so he's like yeah i'm gonna do that get the guns okay exactly and then he decides to hold up a liquor store of course booze and money yeah booze and money that's where i thought he was gonna go yeah so that or the bank so he could (laughs) buy some booze he just skipped the middleman (laughs) yeah he just went right to the liquor store (laughs) Liquor store was flush. They had about two hundred and seventy dollars in there, which you know, you know, quite a bit. It's more than thirty-seven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just saying nowadays money. That's a few and they thousand prob- bucks. Well, did they know him at the liquor <laughs> yeah, store? They probably did. <laughs> like, hey, Hank, how are you? <laughs> uh, so he, it's he robs it um, and takes some whiskey. Takes two hundred seventy dollars. Uh, and he goes to nearby nightclubs and like, whoa, I got all this money. And the cops are like, okay, we got you, man. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. He goes to like all the places he hangs out. Yeah, he's exactly. so dumb. He's drunk. <laughs> well, yeah. He's drunk and he's got hit in the head a lot. So, um. <laughs> I guess so. This time baseball would not come to his rescue though. So Hank Thompson was sentenced to 10 years in prison at the East Ham prison, which is one of the worst prisons in the country mm-hmm. uh for armed robbery obviously um so thompson had bottomed out and was finally able to sober up and find purpose while serving his time well that's good two years into his sentence he joined uh alcoholics anonymous and was working as a baseball coach at the prison uh mentoring young felons so he coached their like 18 to 21 year old team or whatever uh and right on 1965, Sport Magazine ran an article about Thompson titled, How I Wrecked My Life and How I Hope to Save It. It's very blunt. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) so Thompson is actually quite blunt about it. So I don't think this is actually from that article, but it might be. Um, But Thompson basically really takes ownership over his shitty behavior and says, the only person to blame is me. So if I blame drink, I'm the guy who did the drinking. If I tell you I came from a broken home, so did millions of other kids. If I tell you my father beat me with a strap, I'm in jail, not my father. Don't ask me to blame society or the fact that I'm a Negro living in a white world, or the fact that I was a washed-up major leaguer when I was 31 years old. I'm the one who kicks society in the teeth. Hmm. So he's very blunt yeah, about I was his gonna own... Say, yeah. well, this is... I guess it's good that he's owning his own behavior and his consequences of it. Yeah, and you sound like the parole board. (laughs) Because after four years of the decade-long sentence, Thompson was released. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they were like, oh, this guy's great. You read this magazine article? (laughs) (laughs) So here's the good news, Edzi. Unlike most of these stories, Thompson really was a changed man. That's good. Yeah. So after his parole, Thompson visited his mother in Fresno, California. He didn't move there now. And he decided he would stay there. Uh, He stuck to his newfound morals, found a new wife, and got a job as a playground director at a local recreation center. He also contributed or continued to work with troubled teens uh, and would say, I try to help the youngsters by pointing to my life. I tell them how easy and quickly a man can fall from the limelight and get into trouble if he isn't careful. I tell them how easy it is to go the other way. 
So, well, that's awesome, Hank. Yeah. But it like, you know, if he, I feel like if he, I mean, not to, it, it's great that he's like owning like his, I mean, it won't excuse his alcoholism or whatever, <laughs> but like, I feel like he kind of got behind the eight ball early just by like those stupid shitty truancy things. And then like, why did, if they had just sent him to his mom? Yeah. I think, well, and you that's know, how, that would have made a huge difference. That's how the system will destroy young normally people of color's life right mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. that first interaction with police leads to uh um, mm-hmm. but i mean and the same point he you can be a devil's advocate and say well he got to play baseball in prison and every time he's kind of been sent to a correction center it's kind of been better for him yeah once again when he seems to actually have structure yeah, he seems not to necessarily do. in the form of a prison. Just yeah, like, yeah, exactly. So, like he strained out when Buck O'Neill come to hang out for a couple of weeks. Yeah, or when Monty Irvin yeah. was around, he'd yeah. be like, "Oh, I can't, I can't be a, yeah, I can't yeah. get drunk and fight a cabbie." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Thompson's life uh, did a one eighty, uh, and he was even invited back to a Giants old timers game in nineteen sixty nine getting one final ovation from Giants faithful, this time in San Francisco. Thompson was hopeful and told some friends that he may be returning to the Giants uh, to work for the organization at some capacity. But all that sadly came to an end. Hank Thompson died suddenly of a heart attack at his mother's home in Fresno, California on September 30th, 1969, at the age of 43. Pretty soon after. That's too bad. Yeah. So, in a short life, Thompson lived hard and fast. By 22, he was a trailblazer, a veteran of war, and on the ball field. By 28, he was a World Series hero, and by 32, his life had fallen apart. And as we just learned, by 43, that was it. Yeah. So but he'd redeemed him. You know, he had a great story of redemption by the time he was 40. Well, and that's what's 43. so sad. Yeah. He, there, there was, I, I, I don't know if it was. It, it's too bad that his, you know, it seemed like his, his early day, he'd lived like such like a life by the time he was 22 years old. Yeah. And, and even like beyond that 22, you know, he kind of lived hard until he'd figured it out and he'd lived so hard that, that, you know, yeah, probably in the end cut his life short. Yeah. I will say, uh, yeah, on top of that, it's probably I would guess based on his family because his dad did die in his early fifties of mm-hmm. of heart thing too. So, you know, on just all of that probably contributed to his early death. So to finish up, uh, I'll say he may have taken the blame for his actions, but you can't help but feel for the man. Anytime he had structure on the baseball field, in the army, or even in prison, he seemed to excel in life. And it looked like he had finally figured things out, but then he was gone. Hmm. That's a nice summation there, but yeah, yeah, that's a that's a, thanks for telling that story because there was a lot of facts in there, yeah, like about like you mentioned about the trailblazing, yeah, that uh, I didn't know. I I I I think I had heard of Hank Thompson before, but I didn't know anything about his life. Yeah, well, that's I'm, an amazing story. Thanks for telling that. Thank you. Well, honestly, this is one of those things that you could probably write. You know, you could write a book on Hank Thompson's life if mm-hmm. you dug in deep enough. Uh, and actually, there is some books. There's there's a 
there's a fictional book on his life called Hank Thompson Blues, which is I, I here's the thing. I can't even I I took away anything from it from the podcast, I believe, because I, I do believe it's kind of uh, uh author writing through Hank Thompson. It was published in like two thousand and seven or something like mm. that. So but it's it's about Hank Thompson's life. Right. But it's like first person like hank thompson's telling you the story it's like a forrest gump of yeah of yeah. Hank thompson's life yeah. yeah okay and i kept being like wait is this hank thompson talking or is this and i couldn't find whether it was non-fiction or fiction so it's like a realistic fiction yeah let's so call it, it that. that yeah it was based on a true story right. based on a true story okay not the true story like it anyway so sounds weird but interesting yeah hank time. thompson blues it's on ebook i don't know i didn't buy it after i figured out it wasn't actually you know okay yeah yeah there was some stuff in there that i almost wrote in there about like that that guy that he shoots being like killing a guy and like holding his intestines in the air like <laughs> with a knife that's okay, why thompson yeah. was like scared of him yeah. <laughs> okay. i don't think any of that was real though so no. anyways i'm digressing <laughs> right. follow us on twitter at doing baseball <laughs> give us a follow give us a review anywhere we're on instagram we're on tiktok i'm at sean do baseball i'm at ed's do baseball uh tune in in two weeks uh ed's yeah. is gonna have a story uh that might line up it's gonna be a fun one i think i hope all right I hope it'll be fun i'm sure it will be fun but until yeah well, is that all you gonna say yeah this was fun it was fun i yeah. enjoyed this one thank you very much all right till next time i'm i'm sean and i'm ed <laughs> and we, we're we're doing the baseball okay bye bye, bye.